What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Honker Heaven Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Stabler. With me is my other host, Michael Colness. What up? We're super excited to get this thing rolling. Kind of been thinking about doing this for a while now, and uh, yeah, we're ready, ready to roll with it. Um, pretty, pretty simple. Kind of just something that we want to do. Michael and I like talking hunting and waterfall and everything, so. We're just going to have it kind of be like an open conversation, trading stories back and forth and whatnot. So, yeah. How are you doing today, Michael? You know, I'm doing uh, pretty dang good. I'm watching my son today because my wife is working and he is currently napping, so it's perfect. We just can't yell or talk too loud like we normally do. Or we might wake him up and he'd be a cranky little boy. But other than that, I'm doing pretty great. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Yeah. We, uh... So yeah, I guess just kind of an overview of the podcast here. So, like I said, Michael and I have kind of had an idea of getting this started here for a little while, just talking about hunting, waterfowling, and as you can tell, the Honker Heaven podcast, we like honkers, okay? And those are big Canadian geese. Um, so yeah, this is going to be unedited, non-scripted, so we apologize if there's any awkward silences or anything like that but we're not going to edit anything out we're just going to roll with it basically what comes to the top of our head right so yeah to start out with we're going to do some kind of like a what's in the news section every podcast that we do letting you guys know of different things that are going on in the waterfowl world obviously one of the very big things that's going on here in north dakota is the opening of the goose season the early goose season, which was on August, <clears throat> excuse me, August fifteenth, on Tuesday. Have you been hunting at all, Michael? Yet? I have not been hunting at all. I've been pretty busy with work and family, and honestly, the idea of hunting so far this week hasn't even really come to my mind yet. Yeah. Until uh, it was probably Thursday. You had talked to me a little bit about it, and on Thursday oh, I was yeah. driving to a job site and. I saw a field that probably had about 30 Canadians sitting in it, and I'm like, ooh, the season's open. I'm like, I should really start thinking about getting out there more and, you know, scouting mm-hmm. more, trying to find fields. Now that they're starting to take weed off here in the eastern part of North Dakota and trying to find some places to go. But the thing is, is I need you to go with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I haven't even got out either. Uh, I've been watching people hunt, actually. It's yeah, a little weird. Watching watching the high school kids get after it here the last couple of days. But um not not like the boys out out on the other side of the state. They're they're racking them up out there. I think the the first hunt they had 72. That's more geese than I've even seen in a field. So I, I don't even know if I can count that high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't other than that I haven't really seen any a lot of other guys going out. I guess people are out here and there and but usually early on like this, we've kind of talked about this before, it's pretty hard to... The geese can be real buggers sometimes. That's and, true. Uh, yeah, which we'll kind of get into in a second. But um, yeah, so hopefully did a little scouting this morning, do a little scouting tonight maybe, and maybe we can get after them tomorrow morning if you get a babysitter and everything. Hopefully it's going to be tough to find a babysitter to come that early because my wife also works tomorrow. She's got the weekend shift this week, so... Uh, we got to see. Somebody yeah. can come in that early, or I can just drop them off with Grandma and Grandpa maybe for the morning, but there we'll you see. Go. Yeah. 
Well, uh, so yeah, what's in the news section? Kind of talk about that. Biggest news that we have for you is the August early goose season did start here in North Dakota. Pretty big deal if you're from around the area. There's a lot of people, Minnesotans and everything, that come over here and hunt, so it's pretty awesome. But then as we go through, we're, we're going to have like a main topic with our podcast or a guest sometimes. Hopefully we'll get into guests coming on here and talking to you guys and everything like that. But um, And then towards the end of the podcast, we'll just talk about any other information that needs to be covered. If Michael has any cool stories that he wants to tell. I got some pretty good stories, but they involve you most of the time. So. He always has good stories. But um, yeah, so that's kind of how the, the podcast format will look. Um, today's topic is like we've been talking about the goose opener right so i if you don't know kind of my background with waterfall hunting i've been waterfall hunting basically as long as i can remember like i'm in pictures and everything like that at my that my parents have shown me that i can't even really remember and um so my my dad my uncle my dad and my uncles are really the ones that kind of put that passion into me at a real real young age i like I said, basically as young as I can remember going out there, jumping in the pits. They kind of had pits before pits were cool. Do they still have pits? No. Oh, but shoot. Would, they would dig, <laughs> yeah, they would dig pits every year out in our wheat stubble fields because my grandpa had wheat stubble fields. And, yeah, we would hunt out of pits. So, like, when I was probably 5 to 10 years old, we were hunting out of pits. Oh, that's it was sweet. sweet. Did you have the TVs hooked up and everything like that, too, like yeah. they do nowadays? And the, the yeah. nice... Uh, flat top grill to cook breakfast on? Not quite. No, it was just a hole in the ground with a piece of plywood covering it so that it wasn't a big black hole. But yeah, so that was that was pretty fun. But uh, I give a lot of credit to my dad and then, like I said, my uncles because they were pretty big into it back in the day and they still are now. They'll, they come hunt with me quite a bit. But it's kind of kind of transitioned now to where they took me out when I was younger and everything. And now I kind of want to return the favor. Like, I would be fine going out hunting, goose hunting, duck hunting, setting up all the decoys and everything, just having my dad and my uncles walk out and just hunt with me. You know, it's that's what it's about, who you're with, really, more than uh, what you get or what you see, how many birds you bag. So that's that's kind of my philosophy is if you get if you get with a good group, obviously, like hunting with you too, Michael. You um, have to. We're related. Yeah, we're brother-in-laws we're now. We're brother-in-laws yeah. now, so. But uh, you get with a good group of people, family. That's what it's all about. Um, every year I go back home on Labor Day and hunt the Minnesota goose opener. Probably could shoot a lot more geese here in North Dakota, but it's just something I love doing. Go back go back home and hunt with my family. So, yeah. What about you, Michael? How did you get started in the waterfowl, goose hunting, all that stuff? So my story is a little bit out of whack compared to uh, Eric's over here when it comes to getting into the waterfowl hunting world. So, in when I was younger, in high school and everything like that, uh, I never... You go ahead, crack it. That's all right. Uh, Sprite. It's not a Sprite. He's lying. It's a Sprite. <laughs> so, uh, um, shoot, where was I? Seven seconds to regain your whatever. Oh, yeah, I remember. So, my story starts when I was younger is... Uh, I didn't do much waterfowl hunting when I was really young. My dad would take me, and we did a lot of whitetail hunting in Minnesota. And then as I kind of grew up and I kind of grew older, and I was able to maybe go out on my own. 
I started exploring other exploring other options, and I kind of credit it to my uncle, who was my dad's brother, because he used to compete in calling competitions for duck and goose. And he nice. gave me my first ever duck call, which I actually just found recently about two years ago in a <laughs> toad I had in my bedroom. And uh, it was kind of pretty cool. It doesn't it doesn't work as well as I remember it, probably because it was in a tote for how many years. But uh, so that kind of got me started with the waterfowl hunting. And as I got older, I became friends with a couple of guys in my high school that would consistently go waterfowl hunting on weekends and after school and all things like that. So they would take me with. And we'd go hunt for ducks, geese, and I mean, we would hunt the lagoons around my hometown, and you'd shoot those geese, and, and they'd taste, and they'd smell, and it's just <laughs> nasty. The only thing you could do was jerky them and season them up to try to make it taste good. But uh, other than that, after high school, I graduated and went to my freshman year of college, and in college, it kind of sloped off, where I didn't do as much waterfowl hunting. And I got big into something else, which you can shoot all the jokes you want at me. I don't really care. I got big into upland hunting, big into pheasant hunting, grouse hunting, everything like that. But then that's when I met, and I still do that to this day. All right, but I that's big upland hunter. A big upland hunter. I love hunting with. I have a dog specifically for it. So I mean, I feel bad if I don't take her out. But at the same time, I also enjoy waterfowl hunting, and that's where this big guy comes in, Eric. I ended up transferring it's not colleges. A fat joke. What? No, because you're tall. It's because you're tall, oh, yeah. buddy. Come on, I am tall. Yeah. You're like six inches taller than I am. But other than that, um, I transferred colleges my sophomore year of college. And then, so my junior year, and like in class like that, I met Eric and so on and so forth. So we started hunting together. And he was big waterfowl guy. So he, he kind of took me with, took me under his wing, if you will. I guess and kind of re-showed me the ropes of how he goes about it. What's he? And he's really good. So he's, can I say this? You're a teacher. Yeah. So he's a teacher. a teacher. So he's really good at, you know, teaching, I guess you can say. So, like, he talks about what he's doing and why he's doing it when I was first out there. And also, it is awesome because when it comes to calling, I suck. So when I hunted with Eric, I didn't have to even worry about it because, like, I just got it because he's a pretty good caller. But, uh, and that's kind of where my waterfall hunting went from there. And now Eric's my brother. Now. So he has to hunt with me. Yeah. Because it's well, a rule. It is a rule. It's my rule number one. Rule number two. Uh, so after, but after college, I moved away. And again, it kind of sloped off for me again. And I got big into upland hunting because I moved out into central North Dakota. And that's when I got my dog. So on and so forth. And now I just recently moved back to the area. And we're talking about getting up and waterfowl hunting, meeting up again. And that's kind of when we started think about the idea of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hammer them. And we are going to hammer them. Yeah, nice. That's good. Yeah, so that was that was do you remember the you remember the cornhole? Uh, the honey hole. I do the remember honey the honey hole. Flooded I don't know if you guys have ever hunted flooded corn for mallards, but that is that is you can't beat that really. So, it was I think it was 19, right? Mm, the super wet been... the super wet fall or yeah, Somewhere we're in the fall there. of 19. Yep. Because we had a super heavy winter with a lot of snow and snow melt. But yeah. then it just kept raining and raining all summer. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, that cornhole is pretty nice. So it was flooded and there was a lot of ducks in there. Oh, yeah. There was and probably about like 30, 40 rows of corn flooded. Yeah. Around this slough that had just obviously they were just flooded. Mowing in there. But you could sit there all day if you wanted to and you'd shoot and ducks would leave, but then new ones would come in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. 
kind of going back to the name of the podcast, um, I personally love hunting geese. I love hunting big honkers. And so that's that's my true passion. That's, like I said, what I grew up doing. Didn't really duck hunt that much when I was younger. But, I mean, hey, if, if you got a good duck hunt, we'll, we'll get it lined up and go. So we're not against shooting ducks either. But uh, I, I do love geese. So what we kind of want to do today with our first episode here is give you guys some um, early season tips and tricks, kind of things that I've learned throughout the years. Oh, if you didn't know, I'm 25 years old. So this is like, I've probably been hunting waterfall for 15 years at least. I would say closer to 20 probably. Um, And I'm not saying I'm a pro or anything like that, but uh, I've gone out a lot, a lot of times by myself. And that's kind of how I think you learn the best is going out. You just have to put the time in. You got to put the boots on the ground. Boots on the ground. Yeah, you got to see what works and what doesn't. And the best thing you can do is read the geese. The geese will oftentimes tell you what's working and what's not, right? So, but yeah, some early season tips and tricks that I've kind of learned help you guys if you're if you're thinking about coming out here and doing some hunting or even, you know, if you're back in Minnesota, wherever you are, hunting those geese. So, one of the biggest things I would say that I would look for when I go hunting is you got to find the X or find where they are. So you've probably heard that before. Kind of makes sense. You got to know where the geese are at. Okay. So you have a freshly cut wheat field. You're trying to see exactly where they're sitting. You don't want to be a hundred yards away. You don't want to be 200. You want to be exactly where they're at. That's remember, pretty important. I'm cutting you off. Cause I remember a time when I was in college and Eric was first, you know, teach me about, you know, you got to find the X and we were at this field and I saw the geese out in the field and then we had the Onyx app, right? So I started kind of marking a waypoint of where I thought they were. No, he took like two laps around the field and he'd mark one where he was here, where he was here, mm-hmm. where he was here. And then he'd just kind of connect the lines and say, okay, they're at the X. They're right where these lines are basically meeting. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. So yeah, and perception is a crazy thing. So you might be looking at a field from one side and they look like they're here, but you can't see the other three sides. So you have to, yeah, drive around and see where they're at in different directions, right? So that's that's pretty important. Another thing that I like to do early season with the, okay, a little bit of background on the geese. So the geese right now, why they're a little bit buggers, like we said before, and they're kind of harder to hunt right now sometimes, unless you're like my other friends and shoot 72 in one morning. But for the most part, they're a little bit harder to hunt because they're still in their family groups. Like the babies are just getting able, they're able to fly right now, right? And they're kind of territorial. They don't really want to be close to other geese, right? They haven't learned that um, safety in numbers yet, right? So they kind of want to be away from other geese in their own area with their families, which can be tough because as goose hunters, you set up decoys and want the geese to come right to you. But they don't want to come right to you. They want to be away from you. So that's where you kind of run into problems. So these, another tip or trick that I would kind of like to do is you can find the X, but if they're super spread out, like sometimes you have a wheat field with 200 geese in it, but they're spread out all throughout the field. They're way away from each other. So then what you would like to do the next thing you can do is just try and get underneath them. So find out where they're coming from. Maybe sit up, set up in the corner of the field to where the geese have to fly right over you to get to the X, right? Or where they were sitting before. 
And so when you do that, you let the geese see you as they come to the field. Sometimes in the early season, they'll be flying low enough that you can just shoot at them on the way over. It's kind of if, them. Right. Or hopefully they'll, if they want to get close to you, they'll come land in your decoys, right? So you might have to get underneath them. If they're super spread out in the field, I would try and get like the front corner of the field closest to their roost. Okay. And actually, I had, I seen two extremes of this. The high school kids I've been watching last week, uh, I seen the two extremes of this. One group, there's three of them, hunted the field that you were talking about, actually. Oh, yeah. Yep. A big half section. It was a literal half section of wheat. And there's probably 50 to 60 geese out there. The roost was on one corner of the field. So they were coming from the certain corner. And the kids were set up way in the opposite side of the field. I mean, they were like close to, they were farther than half a mile away because it was a mile long field and the one the one side right so they were farther than half a mile away they're way over there and there was geese sitting in between the roost and them so they didn't get underneath them right so the geese short stop and that's one of the things that always happens in the early season the geese short stop you they land in front of your decoys we've experienced that a few times yes we have and it's so annoying and people don't learn their lesson it's because you have decoys out in front of you if the geese don't want to be by other geese, they're not going to come all the way to you because once they get to your decoys, they're going to land and shortstop you. So it's we're getting into one of my other tips here in a second. But the other extreme, more high school kids, they drive out to this field, different field this time. I knew where the X was, where the geese were, so did they. They were watching it just like I was. They were able to hunt it, but I couldn't because I'm a teacher, so I had to teach my kids. <laughs> but, uh... So they were out there. They were on the corner to get underneath the geese, corner closest to the roost, but they were literally like right in the corner of the field. Not at all where any of the geese were, right? So I watched a couple flocks come off that morning before I went to work, and the geese just flew right over them and landed where they had been landing on the X. So props to them. They tried to get underneath them, but they were too far like they were in the corner of the field so it's like a happy medium you got to kind of almost find the halfway point type thing right to where when they come out if they short you know if they would have short stopped the x that's where you're set up kind of type deal right um so while he's uh getting his other tip ready i just want to say one thing you might be thinking why is eric got all the tips and michael's just kind of sitting there not talking much well compared to eric i'm an amateur Right, so on this podcast, basically what I'm here for, <laughs> the only reason I'm here for, is to let him give all of his tips, and you know, I got some stories too, but give all his tips and advice, learn from him, but at the same time, maybe ask the questions that you guys might be thinking, mm-hmm. that we're obviously, we're on a podcast, so you have to comment or, you know, DM us on Instagram or something like that yeah. to, in order to ask the question, but maybe you're like, oh, hey, boom, Michael just asked that same question I was thinking of in my head, so now mm-hmm. I don't have to do that. Yeah. All right, continue, sorry. No, that's good. Yeah, and with that too, if you guys do have questions at all or want to like contact us, obviously, and ask questions, I love answering questions. Like Michael said, I'm a teacher. get lots of questions every single day, so I'm happy answering questions, especially about goose hunting or waterfall hunting. So uh, next next tip or trick is kind of, it's think outside the box. So 
with the early season geese, like we talked about, sometimes they don't always cooperate. So you got to think outside the box a little bit. I was maybe going to go hunting this morning. And, you know, most people, the other guys I've seen hunting, they have their 60 full body decoys and their big blinds in the middle of the field all stubbled up so it looks like a big golden mound in the field, right, from a long ways away. Think outside the box. Those geese now for, what is it, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, for five days have seen that. Every single hunter's doing that. Think outside the box. If I was going to hunt this morning, I was going to take 20 silhouettes with me, which, if you know what a silhouette is, it's basically like a piece of cardboard that looks like a goose. Painted all pretty light. So when you put 20 of those out, it doesn't even look like 20 geese. It looks more like probably 10, maybe 15 geese. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was going to walk out to the field with 20 silhouettes and my little, basically a backboard blind. So I can be as low as I possibly could with a little blanket that you put over yourself and cover it with wheat. And I was going to not even lay in the decoys. I was going to be 20, 30 yards away from my decoys. Just in case the, the little family groups of geese wanted to land with my decoys, I could still shoot them because they're in range. But if they're going to shortstop me, guess who's sitting there? Me in my blind, ready to shoot them. Okay, so it, like, it sounds weird. It sounds funny. Avid waterfowlers might be thinking I'm crazy, but that's thinking outside the box. With these early season geese, you've got to get creative. And when they've seen the same thing for five days in a row... I watched it this morning. They come out, they got to their 60 full bodies and the big four lumps that the guys are sitting in their blinds, and they flared because they've been shot at for four days now, and then came back down, right? So think outside the box. It's going to help you do something other than what other people are doing. No, I, I can't remember, but if it was with you, I can't remember if you were with us or not in college because we were hunting early season, and... Remember you saying something about how like the big blinds might not always work, mm -hmm. right? Early season, so yeah. we were out in the field, and what we actually ended up doing is we showed up an extra hour and a half early and brought a couple shovels with us. Yeah, and we actually dug little layouts in the ground, probably about eight inches deep, mm -hmm. right? Just enough. And then what we had done before is we had gone to a local dollar store. And the field, it was a cut wheat field, but it was, it had been plowed up. Yeah. And so what ended up happening is we bought this black blanket and then we, we went out to the field ahead of time and we kind of picked some of the stubble and whatever that was left that, you know, was plowed up type stuff and mm -hmm. sewed it into the blanket. Were you with us at that time? I don't know. I can't I've done that plenty of times, but and, I don't know if I was on this one. And it ended up working pretty well mm -hmm. because you know, you're not this big lump out in the field anymore you're exactly. more ground level exactly. and if you can do it right it looks like you're just part of the field exactly yep so that would be thinking outside the box does it stink yes you have to shovel dirt mm -hmm. to go hunting it's unfortunate but like michael said you don't look like a big lump a big huge layout blind sitting in the field which the geese have already seen for multiple times or days in a row so yeah Good point. Uh, my next tip I would say for the early season geese is very little calling. Okay, If you listen to the geese, you watch the geese in the fields, there's not much talking going on because they care for themselves, right? Like all they really care about is getting food and that's it. 
So they're not really talking to each other. Um, so when I go out, I would do very little calling, maybe a cluck here and there for a little confidence to actually let them know you are a goose, right? But you don't need to be hammering on them because, again, if you're on the X or somewhere close to it, you're going to have the geese coming to you, okay? Uh, next, next thing is you have to be hidden. If the geese see you, they're not going to come into you. They're not even going to get close to you. So you have to be hidden. Kind of like Michael was talking about, you can really get hidden if you take shovels and kind of dig down in a plowed field. It's really nice because the top six inches is already all dug up. But you get yourself ground level, that'll help a lot. Or like back in the day, the glory days, uh, you're in a pit, that helps too. Because then you're under the ground, there is no thing, big blob poking up, right? So, but you have to be hidden. I mean, if the if the geese see that you're a different color than the field or or something like that, they're uh, they're not gonna like it. So, you gotta make sure your hide's good. Find <clears throat> find vegetation, wheat, whatever it is that looks just like your field, and you should be okay. We kind I kind of alluded to it before. You don't need too many decoys. I feel like that happens a lot in the early season. Everyone's so pumped. Like, yeah, we're going to go hunt geese. Dump the, tra- dump the trailer. It's not like snow goose hunting. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. You don't You don't need 100 full-body decoys to hunt some little fuzzballs on August 15th. You really don't. Um, but part of that is being realistic. You have to make it look realistic. If there's 63 geese in your field that you're looking and you come out there with 70 decoys, that doesn't look too realistic, especially to the first family that gets off the roost and gets to the field and sees that many decoys sitting there, or geese. They're like, whoa, where did these come from? We're the first ones that woke up, and there's already 70 geese in the field type deal. So that's kind of why I was going to bring 20 silhouettes out, because if it looked like 10, 15 geese, that's a nice family group. So when the geese fly off to me, they get to the field and they say, oh, yeah, there's Jim and his family already there. That makes sense. They left before we did. Not, holy crap, there's 80 other geese here. Where'd they come from? I have no idea who that is. Whether or not they're that smart, I don't know, but well, I'm they, pretty sure they are. They seem pretty smart. Yeah. You know, speaking of the silhouettes, this is totally off topic, but that's okay. I do that sometimes. Uh, I was looking at my silhouettes the other day when I, I shouldn't say the other yeah. day. It was when I moved. Uh-huh. We flip-flopped a silhouette at some point in time. Did we? Did you know that? I did not. Because I have one that says your name. Well, it doesn't say your name. It says you Eric. stole it. it it's sharpened it. No, because I have two dozen silhouettes, <laughs> and I still have two dozen. Really? So we flip-flopped at some point. It was probably one of those days we hunted, and we had, like, we brought all our silhouette, silhouettes and those full body. That was, like, later season or something like that. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember. I think I know the field I'm talking about. Remember those one? Oh, we shot the three. Well, we shot more than three, but we shot like three pretty quickly. Oh. And it was me, you, and Sal, I yeah. think. And we each went running after one of them because yeah, yeah, none yeah. of them went straight down. Yeah. Bad shooting. Yeah, I'm pretty bad shot. <laughs> yeah, I remember. We were up on a big hill, right? Yeah, yeah. And then it had a, it was like a winter wheat field almost because it had yeah. green coming up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Probably about, what, six inches, six to eight inches high in the high yeah. spots? Yeah. Yeah. Huh, that's weird. I don't know if I have any that don't have my name on it. Well, maybe you saw it and was like, oh, maybe I forgot to write my name and wrote it real quick. Maybe. maybe so then like, I stole one from you. Or you're like, this is Michael's. 
Still. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I I gotta tell the Chewy story. Do you Trying remember to think, that one? Is that the one from the field near uh, the big wildlife management no. area? Yeah. yeah. Tell it. Tell it. Tell right. it. If you, if Chewy, if you listen to this, I'm sorry. Chewy's a buddy of ours. Yep. Good <laughs> friend from college. We hunt together. This is kind of like ties into, well, we haven't really talked about it. Basically, you don't want to be too close to the roost. Yes. The roost is where the geese sleep overnight. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be too close to that. It makes sense. If you shoot, they're going to fly the other way because they're going to hear a gunshot and be scared, right? So we're hunting, I think it was earlier season. It was a wheat field. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't like think September. It, it, yeah, it wasn't like early season, but yeah, like September, September early something. October maybe. So Chewy, Chewy lets us know he's got a he found a field. He sent us a video and everything like 125 probably 150 maybe. We're like okay that's good because all we've been seeing is like 40 here and there, right? So we're getting pretty excited. There's like what five of us gonna hunt? Yeah, about five. I think yeah. five. And I I knew the area very well, so I said, okay yeah that's good. It was right next to a slough with a pretty big body of water on. I'm like, are you make? Are you sure they're not roosting on that pond? And he's like, yeah, I'm sure. I watched them fly from over here. And I go, okay. And we talk about it more. And I go again. You're positive they're not roosting on that pond right there. They're not sitting on the pond because that would be very unfortunate because they're sitting up literally 50 yards from it. He goes, no, they're not. Not that I know. Like I seen them come from over here. Like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. There is another big body of water over there. It must be where they're coming from. So we get out there. We get, what, half the decoys set up? Yep. And we can hear a goose. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Well, and it's probably good. like, what? The body of water is only 100, if that, 100 yards away behind us? Yeah. 125. Oh, yeah, it's super close. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we hear, we hear a couple honks. I'm thinking, that's not good. All of a sudden, you just hear. We look over two hundred. There is probably two hundred. There is close to two hundred geese. Oh yeah. Get up, fly the other way, and don't come back. And I'm like, oh boy, that's that's not good, because that was all of our geese. But you also got to remember that later in that day, we did have actually some come from a different roost in. Yeah. Yeah. So. So he was right. He, but yes. So it, I think what happened. <laughs> so I, and. This isn't bashing Chewy or anything. Chewy, that was not your fault. I believe you. But what happened, I think, is they they do something called day roosting. So they have their roost that they sleep on overnight, but they also sometimes will day roost at a little pond that's close to where they eat. So instead of going back to their overnight roost, they go to the day roost. And that had to have been what they did. They just jumped right from the field into that pond as a day roost. It's got to be. Chewy didn't know that because he couldn't. Like, he didn't. He's seen him come from the roost. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't his fault, but it was an unfortunate situation. That's why you should try and make sure you do something, which I like to call. Do you know what it's called? When you scout at the very end, what do you do? At night, put him to bed. Put him to bed. You yeah, Put, I the, was, put I was, the birds to bed. I was going to say that. He, he just finished too quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, when you put the birds to bed, that basically just means you watch... Chewy watched where they came from to get to the field, but when you put them to bed, you watch where they go. Oh, so I you, remember that. So, now. in the at night, you can see where they go to roost. Um, at, after the morning feed, you watch them. You're not really put them to bed, I guess. 
but you watch them fly to their roost. You wake them up. Yeah, you, you get them ready for breakfast. That's right. No, yeah. I remember that now because now when we go, now that you're kind of talking more about it when we were in college and we'd go scouting at night because we had nothing better to do. You know what I mean? That's what we did. We yeah. were out there till dark, uh-huh. and we'd find we'd drive, you know, and watch them go back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense because it is pretty important. Yeah, where they come from. making sure where they come from and where they go because you, if you're too close to where they're roosting or where they go, it, you're gonna mess your hump up basically. But I can also see is that that's like if you know where they come from exactly, like you're 99.8% sure type thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know exactly where they're coming from. It also can make the hunt a little bit easier the next day. Right. Wind changes, well now you know where to set up type thing. Yeah. You know where they're coming from, what they might do type thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yes, then to finish your story, I don't think we ever seen those geese again. However, we sat there for a while and there was a pair that came exactly from where Chewy said they were, mm-hmm. and we smoked them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't all bad. It was good. We still hung it out, and we got a couple. But I still remember our early season hunt we did. Um, oh, it was near. It was near. I don't, I don't want to say. It was near the the lake, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right, and we're in that field, and it was kind of near also like a, a radio tower. Yeah. And the field had been half plowed and half not. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had found the X, and they were in the plowed stuff. Correct. And we are like, it'd be very tough to hide there. And it's a long ways into the field. And it's a long ways into the field. Three quarters of a mile, yeah. So we set up right on the edge of where it went from plowed to unplowed. And it was wheat stubble field. Mm-hmm. And everything shorted us. We knew exactly where they were coming from. We saw them flying in. And everything short of us except for one loner goose. You remember that? That com- Yeah. Go ahead. That came from a completely different direction. Yeah, completely different direction. Yeah. But it came in and then, boom, shot that bad boy. I'm pretty sure, I'm about 99.9% sure that when I was shooting at that goose, my gun, I did not have it properly on my shoulder. I wasn't looking down the sight. Like when I popped up, it was awful. But we smoked it. And that's a yeah. memory that I see every day that's good mm-hmm. that was not, sweet maybe not every day that but thing, often that thing was high I don't know if it was a random migrator or what but that thing was up there and he just absolutely dropped mm-hmm. right to you all by yeah, himself you pounded him yeah it was sweet other than us being lazy and not going to the X yes well it, it, it was a much too, different hunt. it, it would have been but then I also I listened to what you said about how it would be harder to hide out there right so who even knows if we would have went even to the X yeah. We could have thought outside the box. Still, to late, this day, I don't even really know where those geese came from. Oh, or to all the, uh, south over there, you mean? No, they were to the west. All it really Sorry. is is like a little creek. Under, oh, yeah, to the yeah, you're right. It was to the west. There's yeah, nothing, there's there's nothing, nothing there, over there. Because the lake is to the east. Was, it, was that the fall of 192, though? It may have been. Because yeah. I remember that creek flooded pretty bad. Yeah, that may have been. Because it took mm-hmm. out a bridge. Yeah. So... <clears throat> Yep. Maybe they were somewhere. What the fuck? I have no idea. Some that probably was flood. what it was. Yeah, it probably was just high in there. But there's, there's a, there was, in a pasture or something. There's a lot of geese in there though. There was. That would come to the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and then the last thing I guess that I'll just touch on is your ammo. It's not a huge part of the hunt, but it's kind of important. Like what you use in your gun. It's whatever you're comfortable with. Like we talked about this before with pheasant hunting. Mm-hmm. 
What what were you trying? You were trying boss, right? No, I tried. I tried. I heard so much, so many good things. Now I know it's not on waterfowl right now, but that's okay. It's not that long. I heard so many great things about boss shot shells. Yeah. You know, it's like it doesn't matter. You know, you either completely miss or you knock the bird down if you're mm-hmm. on when you're shooting at it type thing. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna buy a box. And I'm gonna try it. Well, in that box, I did have one that wouldn't load. It had a. It's so packed tight with BBs and everything like that. It actually had a bump. Mm-hmm. Sticking out of the side of the oh, case, yeah, so I had bold, to. Yeah. So I had to get a knife out, put it out. Right, nothing against them. It happens, mm-hmm. right? But then I started shooting. I'm like, you know, I'm listening to everybody. Here it was. It was later season pheasant. It was probably beginning of December, end of November. Right, there was some snow on the ground type thing, and so I was shooting the Boss Fives. And mm-hmm. granted, I shoot a 28 gauge when I hunt pheasants. Smaller load. It's what I like. It helps me stay on target because, like I said, I'm. I'm yeah. usually, I'm a, okay, I like to say I'm a terrible shot, but I'm not that bad. Mm-hmm. All right, so I shoot a 20 gauge, but it helps me stay on target, so if I need to put follow-up shots on. Right. So, I mean, that might be the thing, but I've also noticed that when I pattern my 28 gauge versus my 12 gauge, the pattern's not much different. Yeah, there's less BBs, but it covers a pretty nice area. And so I tried these Boss 5s, and I shot three roosters that were ended up running. And the one time I shot... And I started running, and I tripped, and my dog, instead of coming, going after the bird, she came to me like, oh, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Go get the bird. I mean, obviously, she didn't say that, but she came up <laughs> over me like, you know what yeah. I mean, like dogs do. But, and then I switched. When I pheasant hunt, I shoot Winchester Super X's mm-hmm. now. There, that's my go-to when I pheasant hunt. Yeah. They always knock them down for me. See, yes, which leads me to the point. Boss shot shells, other people love them and say they just crush Michael didn't have a good experience. He's not comfortable with them, so he shoots his Winchester Super X's, mm-hmm. which I true personally would never shoot because I don't like them. Right, so yeah. it just depends what you're confident with and what yeah patterns well out of your gun and what you can shoot with. Right, mm-hmm. so but um, as far as size, I think you'd be fine getting away with two shot. I often use two shot for these early season little fuzzballs, but um. BB is obviously fine as well. Double P. So, yeah. But I will say, when I when I do go goose hunting and stuff like that, I do use a 12-gauge. I do have another shotgun I use. I don't use a 28-gauge. But <laughs> when I go, I mean, I bought a case, or I, sh- I shouldn't say that, I split. No, I made, bought a full case because Sal and I split two cases okay. of the Fiocchi. Yeah. I got you guys made fun you of me for Fiocchi? that. It's Fiocchi, Fiocchi, whatever I say you want. Fiocchi. Right? Oh, gosh. And you guys just burned me for that. For buying Fiocchi ammo. I Fiocchi. Did. No, it was Chewy. Chewy did. Chewy did. Chewy yeah. just burned us for buying that. But I th- I'm i pretty sure if I went out into my little hunt and tote in my garage, I could probably still find a box or two sitting and there. And they'd still fire. Uh, yeah, and they'd 100%. still fire. And it's definitely in it. What It's what works for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got some Fiocchis. Fiocchi 2s. Well, they were probably mine at some point. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I've also shot, we shot that uh, Black Cloud too before. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I sh- I sh- How do you like that? You know, I'm probably sick with Fiocchi because I, I, it's cheaper and I can, you know, buy a lot more and get more shots off. But, mm-hmm. but um, I did shoot Black Cloud one time while pheasant hunting. Did you? Should I tell that story? Sure. Okay, sweet. I'm going to tell it then. Uh, it was the black cow, the one that has three and nines in it. T 
TSS? TSS, is that what it is? Like, that's right? $3 a shell. Yeah, well, Holy. I went to, this was when, during the shortage. No wonder your sugar mom was working right now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> God bless her. No, so I was going up to northwestern North Dakota, and there was a lot of waterfowl management area. Mm-hmm. And on waterfowl management area, you can't shoot lead shot, basically. Yeah. Right? You have to use non-toxic shot. So I went to the local shields, and I went to the local runnings. And I went to local, basically, businesses in the area where I could try to find ammo. Mm-hmm. Nothing. They had zero non-toxic shot. Right? Really? I mean, they had some, like, you know, seven and a half shot, but I'm yeah. not going to shoot that for November roosters type no. thing. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, I walked into the waterfall section. I'm like, oh, I know they have steel shot. You know what I mean? And they had, like, two shot and double B. I'm like, ah, that, se- that seems a little overkill. Yeah. But then they had this black cloud, the TSS black cloud, right? Uh-huh. Is it, it? That's TSS black cloud, correct? I'm not. Uh, it's, or is TSS something TSS different? is what it's called so that's tungsten that's yeah. what it is but then the brand is black cloud okay got it black cloud makes the tss shells okay i just want to make sure i wasn't messing that up but no and so i bought and it was three and nine i'm like okay so three is a little smaller than two shot but it also has some nine mixed in there that's pretty nice so i just bought one box of those for when we because there was a lot of water waterfowl pressure that we saw a box of 10 right I'm pretty sure that's what they come in. I lied. I bought 10. two boxes because I had 20 of them. Two boxes so I must have bought 10. two boxes. But okay. like for the box of 10, it, like you said, it was like $32.99 or yeah. something like that. right? So I spent quite a bit of money for just those shells. <laughs> but let me tell you this. The story was definitely worth it because we were walking up uh, a grassy field and had a rooster kick up. And I tell you, it was probably about five yards in front of me. Oh, my god! And before I even got the word rooster out of my mouth, I shot. And this is when I was shooting my 12 gauge. Oh boy. And it went, bang! You know what I mean? And just poof, puffed it out. And I went, man, if I use this duck hunting, actually, I'd probably do pretty well because it just destroyed that bird. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. It was one rooster. I know, there was like zero meat left. I think I got half a breast after it, out of it, after I kind of like was like cutting through everything that was destroyed. Yikes. I should have waited a little longer. That's funny. You know? happens though it does happen you gotta do what you gotta do oh yeah but no uh definitely waterfall hunting i'm gonna choose fiocchi fiocchi whatever because it's cheaper yeah man ammo right now is unreal it is unreal i'm glad you can find it now yeah 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 that's right there's not a shortage but it's unreal holy cow the price is crazy but you know what you gotta spend money on what you love that's right or else what are you gonna do hate your life just kidding. You might not True. hate your life, but you won't have much fun. No. Yeah. Well, that kind of wraps up my my tips and tricks for you. Hopefully, you can use some of those. If not, if you're killing them, if you're shooting seventy two in one morning, then keep doing that. But uh, yeah, if you're struggling, like sometimes you do in early season, again, just think outside the box. What haven't they seen? What could you maybe change a little bit to bag more birds, right? So, yeah, hopefully hopefully we can get out here a little bit, but um, I think uh, that's kind of all I got. You got anything else? Well, I got some things, you know, just a little, you know, I can't even think of the word anymore. Whatever. I don't care. Uh, oh, a little plug to ourselves. There's the word. I like that. All right. So first thing, you know, we want to thank you guys for listening to our first episode. Absolutely. Right. It's awesome. It's our first one. Probably is not going to be the best one. Absolutely uh, not. But you know, we appreciate you guys 
Megan, listen, if you made it through this whole thing, thank you so much. Yep. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, all right, we're planning on doing about every two weeks. Yeah. All right, that's kind of our plan right now. We want that structure. Every two weeks we want a podcast. Now, it might not be the same day every week. Mm -hmm. Like this one's coming out on a Saturday. But in the next two weeks, it might be 16 days later because we can't find time to meet up until Tuesday or Mm -hmm. Monday or Wednesday or whatever. It's whenever we can find time to meet up because, like we said, it's unedited. We record. Yeah. I would like some feedback, though. We would like some feedback. So if you guys have any, like, preferred times that we could maybe take into consideration, like, don't do it on a Saturday. I'm at the lake all day. Do it on the Friday when I'm driving to the lake. I'll listen to your podcast. Exactly. Or if if you commute for work, right? I used to commute about 50 miles to work every day, Mm -hmm. right? You had those podcasts you like listening to. If you're like, hey, on Thursday, I don't have a new podcast that comes out. You know what I mean? Go every yeah. other week, put it on a Thursday so I can listen to your guys' new podcast on the way to and from work, you know, if you, even if it's not that long of a commute. There you go. So if you want to tell us that, you might be thinking, well, how can I do that? Easiest way, go to Instagram if you have Instagram. We do have a page. It's uh, at the honker, the underscore honker underscore heaven underscore podcast, right? If you just search up honker heaven, it'll be on there too. It's got a pretty yeah. orange sun kind of coming up, although it's a a graphic of a sun but yep and you can just send us a dm on there and we'll be we'll be pretty good about answering that uh the next thing is, is if you guys really like this too and you want to share it go ahead share it with some friends absolutely right and if your friends listen to it want something to say tell them the same thing right say hey mm-hmm. you know put it uh go to their instagram and shoot them a dm yep uh, that's about really yeah, all that, I got. that would be great if you guys could uh share it for us share it on your social media platforms tell your friends uh, maybe if you don't like waterfalling or don't want to con- pursue our podcast, maybe you have a bunch of other friends that do or you think would be into it, just let them know. That'd be great. Yeah, for sure. Anything good? else? I don't think so. All right. That sounds good. Well, hey, thank you guys again for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.